Uh, this morning, what I want to do is kind of carry on the theme of what, what's been going on uh, throughout Wednesdays and uh, the divine urgings that uh, the, the guys have been preaching on so powerfully and, and challenging us to be recepting, receptive to what God wants from our lives, from what he's speaking to us about and, and pushing us toward and keeping us from, actually, also. And so uh, what I want to uh, take a look at is out of the book of Romans, and you can turn your Bibles over there to chapter number 16. And, um, you know, we have our, our guard house, our little guard shack over here on the south side of our building. And the reason we installed that was because we wanted to make sure that throughout the day, and that's basically what it was for when we had our school, what we wanted to do was to make sure that whoever came in to our building uh, was secure. And we wanted to know who they were uh, to make sure that, you know, they weren't, there weren't anybody, it wasn't anybody coming in with any alternative motives. And so we have a system set out there that uh, some of you who have come throughout the day, uh, there's an ID badge that you get, and the, what you do is they go through and they, they kind of check your background a little bit to see if uh, there's any issues going on with restraining orders, etc. because we have kids in our school. And, and so uh, it's a safety aspect of, who, of what we do in our church and in our school. And so a lot of folks love that, you know, and, and they care about that. We even have metal detectors that our kids go through because we want to make sure everything is above board and, and, and secure and safe. And the reason I'm speaking to you about that is because it's, this is a perfect example of what describes our lives when it comes to God's truth and God's word versus the, the deceptions and the strategies that the enemy wants to uh, assault our minds with and overpower our reasoning with. And the point is that God's word can be trusted to filter out the junk and to keep out the, 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 the deceptions, delusions that the enemy wants to bring in, just like that guard shack. It protects us uh, throughout the day and keeps out who doesn't need to come in and allows those who are okay to come into our building. This is what God's word does. And in the book of Romans, the Gentiles in Paul's day were walking, the word of God says, as we're going to read, in futility. Or in other words, that word futility, the foolishness of their thinking and in their minds. And it says their understanding was darkened. Their understanding of God's word of truth versus deception and versus uh, delusion was, was, was being, uh, uh, it was lying, there was a lie that was coming over them. They were allowing themselves to become slaves to sin because of that deception. And so in our text, Paul is urging and he is warning these people to be careful and to watch out, as he says, or be watchful to what they listen to and uh, to whom uh, they listen to. In chapter 16 in book of Romans, verse 17, he says these words, I urge you. There's an urging, a divine urging from the Apostle Paul. Brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause division 
and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites or desires. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceived the minds of naive people. So here's the urging, here's the, the, the warning that the Apostle Paul is giving to the people of God that we need to receive here this morning through God's word is to watch out and be careful with what you let come into your thinking and into your spirit. I'm going to look, number one, at the deception because this is exactly what the Apostle Paul is speaking about, deception. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and in verse 33, Paul writes, and he says to this church, Be not deceived. Evil communication corrupts good manners. Be not deceived. The definition of deception, we all have our own thought about that. We all have our own idea of what deception means. But here's what, what uh, the dictionary says. To mislead by giving a distorted impression or false sense of reality to trick, to cheat, to beguile, and then again to deceive. So it carries the word and the idea of being led astray, to be pulled away from truth uh, into delusion and into deception. This is what the devil does. How many can say amen to that? He deceives us and he sways us uh, if we allow him to, to bring us away from reality, from truth, and into a false sense, as uh, it says, of reality. Too many people today are living in a false sense of reality because of what they see on TV, because of what they hear around them. They take that to be truth. To take that, they take that to be reality when indeed it might not even align to what God's word says is truth. Why does Satan practice deception? Why does he bring so many people into this false sense of reality? Well, because he manipulates and he schemes against the word of God's truth because he can't match God's power. He can't match God's ability to, to bring healing, to, to, to bring life. And so he does the very opposite, and he brings a false sense of what life is all about, of what healing and uh, what, what good is all about. He's deceptive. In Genesis chapter 3, we see a perfect example. In verse 1. We know the story, Adam and Eve. It's an old story, one of the first stories that we read about in the Word of God concerning you and me, humanity. And this is what it says. Now the serpent was craftier than any other beast in the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the tree of the fruit that is in the midst of the garden, 
and neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened uh, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So here's Eve in the garden, and there's a subtle attempt of Satan, of the devil, to undermine the authority of God's word. And that's the reason why God wants to subtly deceive uh, and delude the people of God, so that he can uh, cause us to go against the authority of God's word. He wants to give us a secondary road, a secondary way of thinking, a a secondary way of living, which goes against God's word, God's truth. And this is his motive like he did with Eve. Deception, listen, always compromises divine provision and protection. Deception always compromises divine uh, protection and uh, God's desire for our life. Compromises that. This is why he lies. This is why he deceives. Eve and Adam lost the divine protection that God had upon their lives. The divine provision that God had for them. Why? Because of deception. And when we listen to deception, when we listen to untruth, we rob ourselves of God's divine provision, of God's supernatural intervention in our lives. The Bible continually warns that deception will overpower if we allow ourselves to remain ignorant of God's word. That's why Paul tells Timothy to study, to show yourself, approve that you would not be ashamed as a child or a worker of God. Learning, we need to learn to rightly divine. I, I'm going to be like that politician. Well, you know the drill. You know, you know how it goes. No, he doesn't know how it goes, and I do, that you would not be deceived. Rightly divine the word of God, that in that day that you are going to be tested, you would understand what the difference is between right and wrong. And this is when it comes to studying the word of God's truth. You need to know God's word in order to repel deception, in order to repel the alternative truth that Satan wants to bring to our lives. God's word and his truth is our protection, like that guard shack, is a protection for our children to keep evil from coming in. It's God's word that is our divine protection that keeps deception from overpowering our lives. Satan's chief strategy is to plant a counterfeit of whatever God's word says, like he did with Eve. But didn't he really say this? Didn't he really mean this? These are Satan's methods. What are Satan's methods? I think a word or two words that really defined Satan's methods, we can relate to today. They're called false positives. We hear that a lot, false positives. When it comes to the testing and the covid of Corona-19. I read this article recent 
concerning false positives. The University of Arizona found that there were 15 false positives concerning some people who tested in one day alone. So in other words, 15 people went in, got tested, and said, you've got the virus. And then a short time later, they were told, well, we made a mistake. That was false. So what did they get? They got a false positive. It was not true. Let me give you another illustration of the method the devil uses. Have you ever gone online? There's a lot of online purchasing now. Some of you are holding on to your credit cards like, I hope the bill doesn't come in this month. And you go online and you look at an item and you're scrolling through and, man, that's, yeah, that's, that's what I need. That looks perfect. That, that's, that's a good price. I'm going to order it. And you get like three or four of those things. And there you go. And you're excited because you get it the next day. And there it is. The box is, box is on your porch or in the street or somewhere in the neighbor's yard. And it finally comes to you and you open it up and you look at it and you go, what the heck? It's a piece of junk. That's not what I saw. That's not what I ordered. It doesn't even look close. It's a false positive. And you see, that's what the devil does to us. He gives us a false positive, something that looks true but isn't true. That's deception. And this is exactly what you and I need to be able to uh, guard against. Sin is a false, false positive. The enemy always makes sin look positive. But I guarantee you, it is a destroyer of people's lives, marriages, families. Uh, it is false. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but mighty before God to the casting down of strongholds, casting down imaginations or false positives, casting down every high thing that is exalted against the knowledge of God and bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Satan's weapon is his mouth, the lies that he speaks. The Hebrew word for serpent, nakash, defined as the one who whispers, hisses, suggests. And that's what the enemy does. He whispers. He suggests, well, isn't this really what, what's going on? Isn't this really what God wants to say? Isn't, you know, are you sure this is what it means? And when the enemy does that to you, when he comes uh, to suggest something to you that goes against the word of God, though if he whispers something to you or hisses something, what you need to do is what Paul says, cast it down, get it out of your thinking, get it out of your mind, uh, and begin to saturate your mind uh, with the knowledge of God. Bring it into captivity. Because Satan distorts whatever God says is truth by questioning motive and intention. He brings into question God's word and God's motive for bringing us his word and saying what he says 
to us like he did with Eve in the garden. And he twists and makes wicked our understanding of God's word. So what he does is he begins to get us to rely on human reasoning. Have you ever done that? Begin to rely on your own thinking and understanding when it comes to God's word and go, well, you know, yeah, I know that's what it says, but hmm, maybe God didn't really mean that. Maybe he meant that for brother over there on that side because he's messed up, but maybe he didn't mean it for me. You know, maybe it, it, you know, and we try to reason away conviction, reason away the truth of God's word that he wants to bring into our lives and brings into question God's integrity. That's what the devil did to Eve. He caused her to question God's integrity and God's motive. Satan always wants us to question God's reasoning and God's goodness. Well, if God was good, this wouldn't happen. If God, would, God loved you, he wouldn't let this take place. You ever been there? If God really loved you, he'd let you win the lotto. You know, if God really loved you, I mean, he would give you a raise like you've never seen before in your paycheck. If God really loved you. And that's exactly what, what the devil was doing with Eve. The devil says, well, God's holding out on you. You don't have to put up with this. You deserve better. You ever heard that? See, that's what God, that's what the devil does and begins to question what God is doing in our life. He feeds on our discontentment. Be careful because when you are discontent with your life, when you are discontent with where you are in life and what's going on in your life, be ready because that's where the enemy comes in. And he starts to feed upon your discontentment with God. Feeds upon your, your bitterness and whatever is going on in your life. He begins to feed on that. And he whispers and suggests. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And what the enemy does is cause us to begin to distrust spiritual authority. That's what he did with Eve, the truth of God's word. Don't forget, Satan led what? A third, a third of the angels away from God in heaven. A third, he deceived. And so we have to be careful when it comes to who we listen to, what we listen to, what truth is, what's defined as truth. You want to know where truth is? Look into your word. Look into the word of God. That's where truth comes from for every area of your life, anything that goes on in your life. Let's look at some of the safeguards against deception. Some of the safeguards, like our guard shack, God's word, obviously, is a safeguard. We hear it. We come to church. It's spoken to us. It's preached to us. We hear it. But then I want to go beyond that. And I want to look at God's revealed word or revelation to you as an individual. 
That's a safeguard. What am I talking about? Well, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 and in verse 22, Paul says, your life needs to be a different life than the Gentiles' life. And in verse, in chapter 4 and verse 22, Ephesians, he says that you put away as concerning your former manner of life the old man, or that's the old nature, that was corrupt after the lusts of what? It says deceit, the lusts of deceit. That's how the old life we were living was based upon deception. And then he goes on and says that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man. So in order for the new life to take, take control or to be, take over the old man, there needs to be a renewing in our thinking, in the spirit of our thinking. And then he says that after God has created uh, in righteousness and holiness uh, of truth. Okay, so let me get to the point. Our safeguard is God's revealed knowledge to you as a person, as a child of God. Not as a whole. We come in and we hear the word of God as a group of people. That's fine. We need to do that. But it goes beyond that. It's taking the word of God and letting it be revealed. What does it mean to you personally? What, what God are you speaking to me about? That's the safeguard that God wants us uh, to happen in our life. By allowing the spirit of truth to speak to us as individuals in order for renewal to take place. So what's the problem? Why do we struggle? Why do we have such a hard time with that renewing? Well, remember, Adam was created first, wasn't he? And when after he was created, what did God do? He spoke to Adam, and he told him about the tree of life. He gave him instructions concerning the garden. And he said, stay away from the tree of life because if you don't, there are going to be consequences. You're going to die. So, maybe he passes on that information to Eve. Now here comes Eve, and he passes on the information. How many know stories change from one, one person to the next? You tell somebody something, and then kind of you embellish it a little bit and put your own description in it, and by the time it gets down, whew, everything's different. So here's my kind of thinking, even though Eve understood the consequences, how many know that when God speaks to us personally, we take it a lot more seriously than when we hear the guy from the platform talking? Come on, be honest. Oh, he's a preacher, he has to say that. But all oh, let God speak to you while you're at home or you're praying or something, and all of a sudden, boom! It's real then, huh? So here's my take about Adam and Eve's like husband and wife conversation. God spoke to Adam and said, you're going to die, don't do this. And, you know, and I mean, it's real. God's speaking to him. And now he goes on to Eve. He said, hey, uh, yeah, Eve, you know, uh, by the way, the garden out there, you know, that tree in the middle of the, of the yard, stay away from it. 
Isn't that the way, like, husbands and wives communicate sometimes? They, they just, no real detail, no, no real thing. It's just like, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. Hey, first man and woman, what's the difference? Same thing. They were us. So when the serpent came to, to test Eve and to challenge Eve, yeah, man, maybe it's not a big deal. He said you're going to die, but, you know, it wasn't a, didn't hear it from God. I heard it from my old man. <laughs> kind of like us. So here's my point. Okay, here's my point concerning God's revealed truth to us, understanding to us. Eve was operating on second-hand information from Adam about what to and not to do in the garden. I want to challenge you here. I want to challenge you to intentionally allow yourself to take God's word when you hear it and let it speak to you as an individual, not as a whole church group. There are those things, yes, when God speaks to us as a group, we take that and we run with it. Yes, as outreach, evangelism, uh, living right, etc., and so on. But yet, bring it and refine it more personally. God, what are you saying to me? It's called rima. It's a Greek word, rima, for the word word is in the Bible, defining the word of God versus God being the word. And it means uh, God speaking specifically to me about something. That's what that word rima is alluding to. So what we need to do is when we come to church, God, speak to me. I want your word for my life, instructions for me. What is it you want me to do or not to do as it applies specifically to me? Instead of, well, that must be for him. Well, that must be for her, or they should have been here because it would have been a good sermon for them. But the one who looks into the perfect law, James says, of liberty and, pers and perseveres, being not a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So when you take God's word, and we're talking about protection, we're talking about deception, and when you take God's word and you personally apply it to you as a safeguard, wow, it protects me as I apply it in my life and not worry what everybody else is doing, but God, are you speaking to me? I don't want secondhand information. Speak to me, God. I heard what they said, but put it into me. Psalm 25, 14, the Lord, the Lord shares his plans with those who have respect for him. He makes his covenant known to them. Thomas said, I have hidden your word in my heart. So let me close this down as our, our, our music group makes the way this morning. What are the results when we take God's word personally and apply it to ourselves and we allow the truth of God's word to be the basis for what we hear, what we do, what are the results? Number one, it gives us a new power, an energy that we cannot receive 
from anything else. Hebrews 4 and verse 12. The New Living Translation says it this way. For the Word of God is alive and it's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And so I know that right now there may be some who are struggling with your life because it seems like there is no power. It seems like there's no strength in you to want to do what's right or to continue serving God. Well, my word to you is the result will be if you begin to take God's word personally in your life and you digest it and apply it and you study it and you read it, it'll begin to expose those things that maybe are weakening you, those areas that maybe are draining you, and it'll give you understanding and direction for your life. The second thing it does is that God's Word brings healing. It brings healing into a broken life. Throughout God's Word, God is referred to Jehovah Rapha, the healer, the one who heals every broken life, the one who can come in and no matter what the situation might be, God can get involved. And when you read the Word of God, it begins to bring a supernatural healing in your life from the hurts of life, the brokenness, the bitterness, the resentments, the rejections, the lies that the enemy has brought. It'll bring healing into your thought process. Healing comes from knowing how to apply the Word of God in our lives. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Psalms 103. O Lord, my soul, bless the Lord and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit. And I know there's controversy about being in church and not in church and doing this and that and the other, but we each have to take God's word and apply it to our lives personally. And we can stand in the promises and the faith of God's word that says, God, surround me with your heads of protection. Surround me, Father God, and bring healing constantly every day and keep me from the iniquity and diseases that this world has to offer. God's word brings direction, number three. We need direction, especially in this day and age. People are searching as to what to believe, what to think, what to do and not do, where to go and not go. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 9. In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. When you allow God, we all have our ideas and our ways, but when you allow God to guide you and to plan your path, you'll have the right direction as to what to do, what not to do, where to go, 
and where not to go. And then, number four, God's word sets you free. God's word brings a freedom in our lives that can come from no other source. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4 and verse 18, the, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news uh, to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He came to set us free. You need freedom this morning in your spirit, in your life. Are there things in your mind, in your heart that are holding you down, that have you locked in, that are destroying your joy, destroying your peace in your life? Turn to Jesus. Turn to the Word of God because it is the Word of God that will bring a freedom through Jesus Christ. He whom the Son sets free, Scripture says, is what? Free. Yes, indeed, and amen is free. That only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So as we bow our heads before the Lord this morning and we close our eyes, Paul's divine urging, his warning to beware, to watch out for deception is a warning that every single one of us needs to hear. And some say it'll never happen to me, but listen to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 1, now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter days some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and teaching of demons. You want truth? You need truth to keep you? It's found in God's Word. So this morning, maybe you're here and you're struggling. You're looking for answers to life. You're not serving Jesus. I'll tell you, you're in the right place here this morning. God's word is here. His power, his healing, his authority is here. And he wants to help you. He wants to, to encourage you. He loves you.